So there's a mystery in this world that I have not worked out how to solve yet. It's a mystery that just complexes me day after day, um, and it involves these. They're called Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I just don't get it. I've tried them, and I don't like them. Uh, I will eat them if there is nothing else around, and I'm dying for some sugar or chocolate. But the reality is, is I just don't get it. I get the chocolate, and I get peanut butter to a certain extent. But putting them together, chocolate and peanut butter, I just don't get Now, what I've discovered in this life is that there are some people who are terribly addicted to these things. There's people who don't even like chocolate, but they love Reese's peanut butter cups. There's people who don't like peanut butter, but for some reason they like Reese's peanut butter cups. And I just don't get it. There's people who they'll just go on their their, their day and then they see a Reese's peanut butter cup and all they want to do is now eat a Reese's peanut butter cup. And, and, and this morning, uh, I want you guys to be very transparent in, in what we're going to talk about. I'm actually going to be very transparent with you as well this morning. But uh, I want to see a show of hands. How many of you think that you're seriously addicted to these things called Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? Okay, so we've got, we had one who was seriously addicted in our first service. That was our worship leader. So we need to talk about his addiction problem. Um, but then we had a lot of people liked it. But this service, we definitely have some more people who are seriously addicted to Reese's peanut butter cup. So this is the, the issue for those of you who are addicted. And then maybe some of you just like them. You see Reese's peanut butter cups. And now all that is in your mind is Reese's peanut butter cups. You know that you will not be able to get through the day without eating a Reese's peanut butter cup, right? It is on your mind, and for until you get your hands on one of these, you will not be able, your mind will not be able to rest until you get a Reese's peanut butter cup. This is why people are just hungry for Reese's peanut butter cups. There's something within your soul that yearns for a Reese's peanut butter cup. And so what I'm going to do, because I actually want you to listen to what I'm going to talk about for the next 30 minutes and not think about Reese's peanut butter cups, then you guys can get a Reese's peanut butter cup. Uh, and who else was addicted? Uh, you were addicted. Who else was addicted? You were addicted. Uh, we've got a lot of addiction problems this morning. And uh, yeah, you're, there we go. Anyone else addicted to Reese's peanut butter cups? So this is what you can do. You can eat it now. You can save it for later. I really don't care. Just get Reese's peanut butter cups out of your mind for the next 30 minutes. Well, most, some of the people, they're addicted to that. And then there's others that think, well, uh, like me, I have no desire for Reese's peanut butter cup, but many of you, you woke up this morning and you had an addiction that you had to fill, and that was an addiction to coffee because you were desiring coffee, because you are the person who wakes up in the morning and you cannot function until you drink that cup of coffee. You are not yourself until you drink that cup of coffee. You know that you should not be around anybody else until you drink that cup of coffee because that cup of coffee makes all the difference and the real you comes out when you have a cup of coffee. And there's many people in this world, and that's the same. They wake up, they can't deal with their kids, they can't deal with their husband, and they can't deal with their work until they've had a cup of coffee. And many people think, well, I can't cope in life without coffee. Same, you people who've got addictions to Reese's peanut butter cups. You may think, I cannot live life without a Reese's peanut butter cup. 
And the reality is, is you can live life without these things. You can live life without coffee, and you can live life without Reese's peanut butter cups. For the people, the coffee drinkers this morning, it may take you about a week to get over the headaches and things, but you will get over it, and you realize there is life after coffee. But every one of you this morning, you have a need for this. This is called water. Some of you don't drink enough of it. But the reality is, is that your body needs water. In fact, every one of us, we need to hydrate our body every single day. Experts tell us that people may be able to go about seven days without water before they die. The reality is, is you probably can only go three or four days without water before you do some serious damage to your body. See, what happens is when you go a long time without water, three or four days, your body starts to shut down because we need water. Now, how many of you this morning, you've ever been dehydrated? You want to raise your hand? Okay, most of us this morning. The people who didn't raise their hands, they're the smart people or they just don't do anything that uh, would make them like dehydrated. So, Dehydration. I've been dehydrated a few times, and maybe some of you this summer, you were sitting on the beach and you forgot to drink enough water, or you're at your kid's sports game and you didn't drink enough water, or maybe you're out in the yard and you didn't drink enough water and you got a little dehydrated. And what happens when you get dehydrated? You get the headaches, you get the stomach aches, you feel sick, your bones start to ache. Uh, and this is why, because your mouth starts to become dry, and before you know it, your whole body is effective. Affected because water affects your whole body. In fact, in extreme heat, you can lose up to 1.5 liters of water through your sweat in an hour. Now, for those of you who are like, well, what is 1.5 liters? Because that is a European measurement, and so many of you don't know what that means. I'm going to put this in perspective for you. You go to the store, you get a big bottle of Coke or Sprite. That is called a two-liter. Three-quarters of that is 1.5 liters. That is how much fluid and water you can lose in extreme heat in an hour. And if water is not replaced, then your fluids start to drop. Your blood level then starts to drop. And then there is too little, when there is too little blood, uh, when your blood pressure starts to drop, it drops to dangerous levels. Then the body temperature starts to go up. And eventually dehydration can lead to death. And while food is the gasoline that fuels your body, Water is like the oil to your body that every single living organism within your body needs. Every living cell needs water. Water is a lubricant for your soul, um, for your joints. It regulates your body temperature and then it helps to flush out waste so your body is not taken over by toxins. The problem with dehydration, though, is this, is that we often do not realize we are getting dehydrated until we actually start to feel it. See, we're working, we're focused, we're doing what we need to do, and we forget to drink. And this happened to my father uh, about two years ago. He came to visit, my mother and my father came to visit us, and uh, so my dad came and I put him to work. 
And uh, we were working out in our yard, in my yard, and uh, he was digging some trenches for me uh, to make the front of our yard look a little prettier than what it was. Uh, the problem was we decided to do it in the afternoon uh, at the time of the hottest day of the year. It was reaching to about 92 degrees and the sun was beating down. And uh, I kept stopping to drink. And I kept saying to my father, Dad, do you want something to drink? You need to drink some water. And he's like, no, son, I'm fine. I'm like, Dad, you're not 21 anymore. I'm like, you need to take care of yourself. And he's like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, and he goes, I could do with a cup of tea, though. You know, and uh, and so we kept on working and working. And then, like, when the sweat is pouring down from us, my mother comes out of the door with two cups of steaming hot tea. Only crazy British people will drink steaming hot cups of tea in 92-degree weather. And I passed. I was like, Mom, leave it inside. I'll come and get it in a minute. I'm going to drink the water. My dad's like, oh, I've been gasping for a cup of tea. And so my dad is outside drinking this hot tea in the hot weather. And then he goes back to work. And you can just see he's getting weaker and weaker. Eventually, as we start to finish and we're clearing up, he said, you know, I don't feel so good. He goes, my head's hurting. I feel a little sickish. My, my joints are aching. I'm like, dad, no wonder you are dehydrated. Like you were losing more liquid than what you were taking in. No wonder you are feeling bad about yourself. Because when we don't drink, we get thirsty. And many of you, you know what it means to be thirsty. You've been thirsty where you've been gasping for something to drink. And Jesus knew what it was to be thirsty. And the listeners who listened to Jesus and followed Jesus, they knew what it was to be thirsty. For they lived in a hot country where there was many people who lived out actually in the wilderness or the desert where there was limited amount of water. There was lots of drought and there were people who went thirsty. In fact, not only that, but Jesus also knew what it was to be hungry. Now, many of you think, well, I know what hunger feels like because I went three hours without eating once. That's what you call being hungry, but that's not suffering hunger. Jesus, before he comes down and what we're going to talk about today and talk to his followers, he has just spent, whether it's a couple of days ago or several weeks ago, he has just spent 40 days in the desert praying and fasting for what he was about to do. 40 days without food. Now, can you imagine that for a moment? No, you probably can't because if you've gone 40 days without eating, you know all about it. In fact, after about 21 days without food, your body will start to eat itself. I know that's kind of a little gross this morning. But your body will start to eat itself to gain energy after about 21 days. Jesus went 40 days without food. He was hungry. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was hungry. Talk about an understatement. 40 days. We know Jesus was hungry. But what the Bible tells us is that while Jesus was fasting, the devil came and tempted Jesus. And as the devil came and tempted Jesus, he came and brought food in front of him. Now, if you've ever fasted at all, or if you plan on ever fasting, I encourage you, never watch late night TV. Because it is full of pizza and burger and fries commercials, and it makes you really hungry. 
And this is what the devil did to Jesus. He put this commercial in front of him when Jesus was hungry. And he put food in front of him. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus turned to the devil and says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds or comes out of the mouth of God. See, Jesus knew what it was to be hungry or thirsty, but Jesus knew there was something more important than water and food, and that was his Father in heaven. And, and, and in your life right now, there may be some things going on in your life that you feel is vitally important. Some things that you need to focus all of your attention on. And you think, this is the most important thing. I can't do anything else in my life but focus on this. But yet, when you start looking at your eye, your, your life through the filter, the eyes of Jesus, you start to understand, in fact, you may be wrong. That what you're going through right now isn't the most important thing in your life, but relationship with God the Father is. And so, Jesus says this, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of Christ. Jesus understands that God is the most important. And so then this leads us on to Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is giving a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts with eight statements of how to get a blessed, happy, and truly well-off life. And we've already discussed three of them, and we're going to look at the fourth today. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. He says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Or some translations say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So Jesus uses this word right here, righteousness. Sounds such a churchy word. It's not really a word that we use very often. We mostly use it in a negative connotation when we say someone is maybe self-righteous. But we don't use this word very often. It seems like a churchy word. It may seem very hard to understand, but really the translation is very easy. To be righteous means to be right with God. To be in relationship with God. And the story of humanity shows us that we are sinful human beings who are not right with God. We are not in relationship with God. You see, our sin has pushed us away from God. There is a divide, a separation, a chasm between you and God. And so God, through his grace, sent his son Jesus to come and, and, and close the gap. And he gave his life as, as a sacrifice for the sins of humanity so that we could be in relationship with God again. But the problem is our sins continue to push us away from God and divide us from God. And so we need this thing called righteousness, which means to be in relationship with God. Now, there's two ways that you can be righteous, and you need both of these. One way, you'll get to heaven, but that will be about it. The other way, you will get to heaven and also have a happy and joyful life while you're here on earth. One, we like to embrace. The other, we like to sweep under the carpet. And the first way that we become righteous is this, salvation. Salvation, when Jesus came and died for you, he died for your sins. 
Salvation means we have been saved from our sins. Jesus came, and if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you are saved from your sins. Your sins cannot cause you to go to a lost eternity, an eternity in hell. But instead, because of Jesus, you are saved through the grace of God. And we all want to be saved, right? None of us want to die. None of us want to go to hell. We all want to go to heaven. And so that's why often it is easy to confess our sins before Jesus and give our lives to Jesus and ask for the salvation of Jesus. It's not hard, and, and, and maybe you're in this place today, and you have not ever done that, and today's an opportunity. You can do that, but there are many here today that you have done that, and it was an easy choice, really, to ask Jesus for salvation. But there is one problem, and the problem is this, ourselves. See, if sin makes us unrighteous, then salvation makes us righteous, but so many people just stop there. But there is a second element to righteousness, and this is what it is. It's another churchy word that we'll translate, and it's called this, sanctification. Sanctification. When you give your life to Jesus, Jesus comes and works in your life, and he starts to mold you and change you to become more like Jesus. And the problem is, is whilst salvation helps to save us from ourselves, uh, from, from sin, Sanctification works in our lives because we need saving from ourselves. We need help because we get in the way too often. And I noticed that in my life, I've discovered that I need saving from myself. And I'm going to be honest with you today. You also need saving from yourselves. You may say, well, Alex, what do you mean? I says, well, this is what I mean. When God says to us, step out in faith, we often negotiate with him through fear. What I mean by that is that we hear God and we're like, well, was it God? Let me think about it for six months before I do anything. I won't do anything because I'm not sure if it was God. I need to hear God about 50 times before I do it. And we negotiate with God through our fear. When God says, love your enemy, we often rationalize our hate. When God says, take up your cross and follow me, we sometimes decide to pick up our friend's cross and follow God because our friend's cross is lighter than our cross and it's easier to carry. Jesus says to pray without ceasing, yet we choose to work without ceasing. The Bible tells us to rejoice in the Lord at all times, but yet we immediately complain when things don't go our way. And this is the issue. We're getting in the way of God making us righteous and molding us into who he created us to be. Last week, I was talking with one of the leaders of our church. And we were just talking about just the political climate and just the stuff that's going on in our nation right now. We talked about some of the stuff in Charlotte that had gone on and just different things that have gone on in our nation. And as we started talking, this person just started to shed tears and, and, and cry. And they said to me, like, I don't mean to cry, she said, but the, the, the state of our nation is just breaking me right now. And, and I wanted to cry there as well with them because I, it's breaking my heart as well. And this is what I'm starting to see. I'm starting to see that as a nation, we are thirsty for justice. We are thirsty for equality. But history will show you that if you get justice or you get equality, it still doesn't satisfy. 
It doesn't quench the thirst within us. See, as a nation, instead of thirsting for justice and equality, which are good things, we need to thirst for righteousness. Because it's only when you thirst for righteousness that you will be satisfied and you will be filled. And so often, as Christians, we like to center on salvation, but we don't like to think about sanctification. And the psalmist knew what sanctification was. The psalmist understood that God just didn't want to give you a pathway to heaven, but that God wanted to give you life and a full life. And he was there available and accessible to give you that life. And there is this psalm right now that is just breaking me and it's, it's consuming me and I, and I can't get away from it because the words of this psalm, it, it, I feel my soul is just crying out the same words. And this is what the psalm says. It's in Psalm 42. Start reading at verse 1. The psalmist says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I only have tears for food. I I have uh, only tears for food while enemies continually taunt me saying, where is this God of yours? And the psalmist said, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshippers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my saviour and my God. And I feel that my soul is reverberating what this psalmist is saying. Because as he says, as the deer longs for the water streams, or as the King James Version used to say, as the deer pants for the water brook, my soul is thirsting for God. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for Jesus. I'm hungry for his word. I feel that my soul is thirsty for the streams of living water that comes with following Jesus. I feel my heart is hungry for the word of God. But I, like the psalmist, I also feel that I'm discouraged and sad. And I'm discouraged and sad because I've realized my soul is dry. My soul is dry. I look at the mouth of my soul and it's dry and I've wondered, am I dehydrated? Is more going out than what is coming in? You see, for the last six years, we've helped create and build this church and, uh, and follow the instructions of God. And we've poured our life into this church. 
and we've created a place where, 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 where we, we just love, we love this place called Generation Church, this community, a community that you can come in and you can call home, a community where you feel you can belong, a community where, where we have worked so that you can understand that there is life in Jesus and all that there is in the unshakable kingdom of God. And we, we've created this place that you can find comrades on this journey of faith and that you can come and find Jesus. And we've enjoyed it and this last six years have been so enjoyable and I can't wait for the next six years. But I'll be honest with you. Just the heat of the day, day in, day out, has worn me down, has worn me down. Hearing of sicknesses in our church, broken marriages, parents struggling with their kids, seeing the ins and outs of just day-to-day life, Sometimes getting letters from people who say that they don't want to worship with us anymore. And that's all the things that a pastor goes through. But the reality is sometimes the heat of the day just wears you out. And I've had to listen to my soul for the last several weeks. And my soul is saying there's more going out than coming in. And I start to look at our leaders in our church. And I wonder, are they dehydrated as well? Is their soul thirsty, but more has been going out than what's going in? I've realized in my life that I've not let the sanctifying work of Jesus Christ work enough in and through me. And it's not like you look at my life and think there's anything wrong. But I know I hear my soul and my soul is crying out that I'm thirsting and hungering for God. And I, and, and I look at some of you in, in our church and I, I, I see some of you struggling in your marriages or with, with your kids or in your jobs or your relationships. And I see so many of you, so much energy has gone out and not enough has come in and it's left you dry. I look at our nation and our nation has thirsted and hungered and chased for justice and it's chased after money and bigger businesses and better colleges and it's been consumed with paying off debt. But the reality and while some of those are good things, it never satisfies It never satisfies. And and as a church, there's been times where just as as leaders, we've been so consumed in making sure the budget's balanced or that we have enough volunteers or that the coffee's made or we've got greeters or or, or getting our, our service ready for Sunday morning or making sure that people are connected in small groups. And we've been so consumed by some of that, it's left us dry. And I believe, and I may be the only one here today, but I believe that we are thirsty. Thirsty. Why am I sad and discouraged? This is why, because when I look at many of you, while God has done a work in your life and you are wonderful people who love God, I see so many who have never actually experienced a true outpouring of the Holy Spirit on your life. I see many who have never actually been used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
that the Bible tells us about in Corinthians and Ephesians. And there's so many of them. I get discouraged. You know why? Because there are many of you in this place today and you have never seen a healing. You've never seen the blind eyes open or the deaf hear or the lame walk. You've never seen the power that there is in the name of Jesus when it confronts people who are, who, who, who are demon possessed or who, who are uh, surrounded by darkness. And when they hear the name of Jesus, it just, they just flee. As many of you, you've never seen the grace of God working in an addicted life that they become clean. Some of you, you've never seen the power of God. All that the Bible tells us about that happens with people who follow Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the book of Acts. And we see these miracles and these incredible things and the power of God. But yet, sometimes we're just left dry and thirsty. See, the great thing that Jesus said, he said this. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Then he gives this promise, for they will be satisfied or they will be filled. That is the promise of Jesus. Jesus one day was walking into a Samaritan village and in the middle of This Samaritan village, there was a well and there was a woman there who was drawing water from the well to get on with her everyday life because that was the water source for the village, this well. And this woman had obviously had a life that had never satisfied because she just chased after men continually, continually. She had like lots of husbands and then she she had this boyfriend that she was living with. And, 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 And Jesus meets her and confronts her and he says this to her. He says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And that is what happens when you come and you drink from the river of Jesus. When you come and eat of the word of God, he comes and brings a rich and satisfying life, a fresh water that is bubbling and it will satisfy and you will never be thirsty again. See, as I start to, uh, to read the, the, the Bible and the New Testament and the accounts of Jesus, I start to see that people who encountered Jesus, they became thirsty for Jesus. You see, there was a lady called Mary who one day took out an expensive ointment and a perfume and she broke it and poured it on Jesus. And then she knelt before him and she cried and her tears hit his feet. And then she wiped his feet with her hair and she did not care at all who was watching. She just had to be close to Jesus. You see three men who were heartbroken over their friend for he was paralyzed. And so they took him on a bed and they took him to meet Jesus. And they came and saw where Jesus was and the house that Jesus was in. And there was too many people and they could not get to Jesus. And so instead of saying, well, we'll try again next week, they decided we have to see Jesus. So they took a paralyzed man on top of a roof of a house and they went through the roof and they lowered him to Jesus. You see a small man called Zacchaeus who had to climb a tree just so he could see Jesus. So a woman who had been sick for a long time 
with some issues and she was called the woman with the issue of blood and she heard that Jesus was coming by one day and as Jesus came by, she came out of her house, she saw the crowds and she fought her way as hard as she could through the crowds and then Jesus came by and she reached out her hand and touched just the hem of Jesus' garments because she had to be near Jesus. And when that happened, she was healed, she was made whole, and she was satisfied. You even see someone like Thomas, who many think was doubting Thomas, but yet Thomas said, I have to touch the nail prints on his hands. I have to touch Jesus. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning as your pastor. I just desire to touch Jesus. I desire to reach out and for Jesus to be near. I desire to drink from the river of life. I desire to eat of his word. Because I understand that nothing else will satisfy in this life. On Monday night, I sat down to start to just look about what we were talking about this Sunday and just go over some of my notes. And as I started to do that, God just started just to do a work within me. And I sat there and just tears started coming down my cheeks. For in the silence of that moment, I started to hear my soul. And I heard my soul crying out, righteousness, righteousness. And I look at many of your lives right now and I wonder if your soul is crying out to you, righteousness righteousness and you may hear your soul crying out and you may hear what money what a bigger house what a better car what a better career what trying to fix my marriage trying to 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 make sure my kids are the best that they could ever be and you're hearing it And you chase after it, but it's not satisfying. And that's because your soul is crying out, righteousness, righteousness. And we're in this place today, and I don't know where you're at in your life, but I wonder if you are thirsty. I wonder if you are hungry. I wonder if you desire to be filled and satisfied. And if that's you today, then the Bible tells us that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled, they shall be satisfied. And when you come near to Jesus, He gives you a water that will never make you thirst again. A fresh, bubbling stream that always satisfies and always fills. Let's bow our heads in prayer.